Yo, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Welcome back, welcome back. Ready to get it started. Let's get it. Let's get it. I heard, you know, some of you guys were, some of you guys didn't like my Steph Curry comments and so forth. So maybe I'll readdress that. But how's everybody doing? I hope everybody there is doing fine. I'm doing well. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Welcome back. Um, feeling energetic today. Feeling pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, like I said, I hope everybody out there is doing well, doing healthy. Uh, COVID is still out here running rapid a year later. But I feel like sports, the sports world is in a better place. And it's, you know, as far as knowing how to handle it and how to handle it in certain and you know and so forth but when april now this i think this is the first episode of april first episode in april so we're getting closer and closer to the nba playoffs um college basketball the women's tournament has been terrific i mean you know a lot of focus is on the men's tournament the women's tournament has been really good and really exciting i must say that i've been i, I and i've been watching quite a few games um and i've been and i've been i'm a, i don't want to say surprise the games have been good i'm gonna keep it like that the games have been good and i have enjoyed them but obviously the men's tournament as well has been good we're, we're just glad to see march madness back in full effect um opening day opening day um, I'm a, I'm a, so actually I'm like a day or two late and a dollar short <laughs> when it comes to mentioning opening day, opening day, um, was on Thursday, but obviously we're going to have, you know, the series are going to go into the weekends and so forth. So I will give you guys some of my, uh, my MLB predictions as far as the season and so forth. Uh, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable about it, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I, I feel pretty comfortable about it. I feel pretty comfortable about it. I did some, you know, some digging, some digging. Um, Maybe I get to some NFL draft stuff. I do want to touch on the Clippers and the Nuggets. I watched that game. Um, That was a, that was a, that was a pretty good game. I watched it. That was, that was decent. So I had, a, I got some takeaways from that game. But speaking of Major League Baseball and its opening day, the, you know, 2021 season and so forth, I want to talk about Mike Trout because for Mike Trout, because Mike and you guys know, I don't talk a lot of baseball in this podcast. It's it's <laughs> it's literally scattered throughout my discography on this podcast. Like it's usually here and there. But I, I do want to talk about Mike Trout because I do find this topic a bit interesting. And he's tempting jersey sales. And for the casual baseball watcher, um, I wouldn't cons- and, and let me let me and let me just be honest. I would not consider myself um an avid baseball fan who watches most of the games. It's very difficult to keep up with 162 games. Uh, I have never been that guy. I'm not an avid baseball fan. I do know of it. Um, I watch the sport, but I do not. I, I'm not an avid baseball fan. But the the casual fan, I feel like they know who Mike Trout is. 
I, I'm, I wouldn't I, like. I feel like they kind of know how good he is. But if you don't know how good Mike Trout is, Mike Trout is universally known as the best baseball player in the league. He's the best baseball player in the world, um, universally known. Um, and 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 some people would go as far as to calling him the greatest baseball player ever, ever, like the goat ever. And I, and with Mike Trout, I find this just so interesting because his jersey sales, he finished tenth. He's tenth in jersey sales. You got guys like Mookie Betts, uh, his teammate Cody Bellinger, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. You have Bryce Harper. You have Clayton Kershaw. All of those guys are ahead of Mike Trout. And not to say that those guys aren't terrific. No, those guys are absolutely awesome, phenomenal, phenomenal players. Um, And and, and I'm going to just say this. My top three baseball players, my top three players – in the league right now, in Major League Baseball, would have to be obviously Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Fernando Tatis. Those are my top three. But for Mike Trout, he he's just like he's on the same. I don't want to as far as like skill in his in their respective sport. Like Mike Trout is as good. Like he's on the he's on the, like the level of Messi and Ronaldo and. Tom Brady, like like LeBron James, like Mike Trout is that good. That's how good he is at his particular sport, which is baseball. But it's just so funny to me that Mike Trout is just, I don't want to say he's not popular, but he's just not as talked about as much as you would think. And some of that is baseball and the popularity around it and so forth, America's pastime. But some of it is Mike Trout just – he really just wants to be a guy. Like, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm digging, trying to listen to some of his interviews. He doesn't really say anything too polarizing. He's not too polarizing. I mean, and he, he's like the face of the league. But Mike Trout, I mean, it's just that it's like he just wants to be a regular guy. And he kind of reminds me of – um, of Tim Duncan a little bit. Like, he has a Tim Duncan quality about himself. Like, very shallow, very quiet. Um, I mean, they, they, they have their personalities. But even Commissioner Rod Manford and Mike Trout, they got into it because Rod Manford wanted Mike Trout to be more outgoing, outspoken. Because, you know, baseball needs a little bit of energy. And I feel like Fernando Tatis, that's why Fernando Tatis was such a polarizing figure in superstar last year in baseball because he was polarizing. He was he was flashy, the the bat flips and so forth. It's it, you know it, he adds he has that flair. I mean, not to say that Mike Trout doesn't have any flair, but he's not like he's not like you don't have swagger. You know, and and not to say that he does. I mean, because Mike he, he he is a phenomenal baseball player. And by by any means, I'm not trying to diminish Mike Trout as a player, but he's he's just not he's just not flashy enough, um, or outspoken, and that's okay because I think the the baseball can survive. Baseball can survive. Like even Mookie Betts, to a certain degree, has a personality about himself. Like I told you guys, Fernando Tatis, 
absolutely has a personality about himself. Bryce Harper has a personality about himself. But with Trout, I just think um, I, I would I, – I just hope um, – and I think the word for like guys like Duncan and Mike Trout and Kawhi Leonard, I think vanilla is the right word. Vanilla. I feel like they're vanilla. They have vanilla personalities, and I I just hope Mike Trout, um, because that it, it, I mean I'm not gonna you you can't change who the guy is, but I just I want to see him make it to the playoffs because I think he's made it to the postseason once. Mike Trout's made it to the postseason one time in his career. And that one time, the Angels did not go far. And, and like I said, people, I, I haven't, I don't hear a lot of people bashing him about not making the postseason because as a, as in, in baseball, there's different variables that have to be in place correctly for you to have postseason success. And obviously the Angels have just, they, they have had, they've just had misappropriation of funds after misappropriation of funds. And what I mean by that is, like, they pay in uh, Albert Pujols is a future Hall of Famer, but they overspent for Albert Pujols. It's just moves like that where the Angels just haven't put them, they, they haven't put themselves in the best particular position in order to advance or even get into the playoffs. Let's just start with that. How about just getting into the playoffs? So it's not all his fault. Like, literally, Mike Trout can hit 500. And if the pitching isn't good, the Angels they, they they would still lose. So it's not it's not so much a Mike Trout issue, but I just I, I do just find it very fascinating that baseball's you know best player is is it, first he's tenth in jersey sales. He's only made the postseason once, and he's just not like he's just not talked about. I I, I feel like he's just when we're talking about the bat like the great athletes. Around you know different sport leagues, you know obviously LeBron comes to mind, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Messi and Ronaldo. We we hear those names, but then we like oh, I, I barely hear Mike Trout. <laughs> and and a part of it is, and as far as like Mike Trout's legacy, I do think, and I'm not saying he has to win a World Series or even you know I'm not saying he has to do that. But as far as – and I think this resonates in people's minds a lot. Even with Tim Duncan. Think about Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is, in most people's eyes, regarded as a top 10 NBA player of all time. Tim Duncan. He's a top 10 he, – he's regarded as a top 10 NBA, NBA player of all time. But if Tim Duncan had the personality of like a Shaq – or the personality of like a Magic Johnson, he would be like like Tim Duncan would probably be a top five player of all time because people would remember that people would people would remember you know like it's just certain things that stick with people, uh, and I think it's just you know it's it's a fan thing, but I do think certain things stick with uh, with people like with with Michael Jordan. It's no coincidence. That Michael Jordan, LeBron James, these two guys are ren are renowned as two of the greatest players of all time. I like, like I told you guys, I think Michael Jordan's the goat. But it's no coincidence that Michael Jordan still has the highest selling sneaker. It's no, it's no, it's like it's no coincidence that he did all 
excuse me, that he did all of these commercials. Like Jordan had a cool personality about himself, got the swagger, his dress code. The same could be said for LeBron James. You know, it's just certain guys that are just cool. Um, and, and I'm not saying, like I said, you don't have to be cool to be an all-time great. But I do think personality, it does. It, like, it, like, people do remember that. Like Muhammad Ali in boxing. Muhammad Ali is renowned. He's, he's in most people's eyes, Floyd Mayweather. Um, <laughs> some people in this generation may may say Floyd Mayweather, but in most people's eyes, Muhammad Ali is regarded as the greatest boxer of all time, and not just because of the skill and so forth, but he had personality. He had flair. He was calling his shots and following through on them. Um, he it, people, you know, people thought he was a v- very braggadocious. Stuff like that matters. Stuff like that matters. I just I feel like stuff like that matters. And with a guy like Mike Trout, I, and like I, like I said, I'm not diminishing him as a player. I am. I'm just simply. I feel like I'm just simply stating a fact or something that is just very interesting and intriguing. That uh, he just doesn't get a lot of headlines. And some of that is like I said. Some of that is because the lack of success that the Angels have had as a team. And then some of it is like, you know, the personality, which, hey, if Mike Trout don't want to be bothered, you know, he don't got to be bothered. (laughs) He don't got to be bothered. He's superbly talented and great, though, superbly. Um, And I do I I do think a part of the legacy, like as far as all time, you know, the greatest baseball, some of it you do have to like you have to have your team in the mix. You got to have your team in the mix. And I just hope the Angels this year can just start by making the playoffs and then progressing. But they gotta make the playoffs first. But um, I just do. I just found that int- I just wanted to put that pull, you know, put point that out because I just found it interesting. I find it very, very interesting that uh, Mike Trout is just not talked about. Um, and he's the best player in baseball. It has been for a long stretch at this point now. Like, he's been the best baseball player for, for like, the last five, six years. I think, universally, he's been known as the best baseball player for, like, for over the last at least five years. He's been that good. Yeah, so Tim Duncan and Mike Trout kind of got that in, con- like, in common. Um, I think if Duncan had a bigger personality, he, like, he's and he's greatly renowned as far as in all-time talk discussions. But if he had a bigger personality, I think his name would come up in more discussions and he wouldn't be overlooked um, in those type of discussions, even though I don't ever overlook Tim Duncan when it comes to when it comes to his legacy. I don't. And I think the same would probably, the same could be said for Mike Trout. Now, let's shift gears. Let's go to... Let's go to the let's go to the Denver Nuggets and the Clippers. I watched this game the other night between the Nuggets and the Clippers, and it 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 showed me where both teams were. Now I can't really I can't really fully judge the Clippers quite yet. They 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 are dealing with a lot of injuries, and I'm gonna tell you why. This year is very reminiscent of last year's Clipper team. Despite the head coaching changes, um, despite the trade for Ron John Rondo, which I actually like, and I'm a I'm a dive in a little bit on that as well. 
But this team is not healthy. Like this this team is not healthy at all this year. They ha- and they haven't been all a- at all this year. The Clippers have played 50 games so far, so far. They played about 50 what? They played about 48 games. 48 that was their 40 48 49th game versus the Nuggets, right? And they have had they've had so many like rotational guys, guys that's going to be in the rotation come postseason, come the playoffs, they have missed some significant time, and that's very reminiscent of last year. Now, let me talk about the Denver Nuggets because I I feel like the Nuggets, they're more of a sure thing right now. As of right now, they're more of a sure thing, and I think the Nuggets might be the scariest team in the whole NBA. And I I know I talked I touched on this and I talked about this after the trade deadline when they acquired Aaron Gordon and JaVel McGee. And I talked about how I thought Denver got better. Well, I was right once again. <laughs> I was correct. Okay. That's nothing new here. I was correct. That they 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 it, it seems to me that they gotten better since the Aaron Gordon trade. They are three and oh. They had they they had a convincing victory versus the Clippers, and they had a convincing victory versus the 76ers. Albeit that, albeit that Joel Embiid didn't play, still a pretty good, a still still a pretty solid win because the 76ers have been playing well lately without Joel Embiid, without his services. But the Nuggets, they're just first, first of all, they they give the Clippers as far as matchups. It's just not a good matchup. The Denver Nuggets, like the as far, from the Clippers' sake, the Clippers, it, it's j- the the whole trying to play the Nuggets. It's not a good matchup at all. It's just not. Denver's just a bad matchup for the Clippers. The length, that the the additional athleticism, the quickness, the offensive like the offensive flow and the rhythm that Denver got got into the other night versus the Clippers it's just phenomenal um it's just phenomenal and Jokic didn't he Jokic didn't even have a MVP Jokic type of night because quite frankly that's the way how he's been playing this year i haven't talked about i haven't talked a lot i haven't talked enough enough about Nikola Jokic but he's averaging 26 and a half points, 11 rebounds and 8 and, and 8 assists. He's le- he leads the league in win shares, PER, he has efficient shooting splits. I mean, I just have quite I have not talked about enough how good Nikola Jokic has been this year. I fa- and I told you guys, I factor in Jamal Murray. Playoff Jamal Murray. He takes his game to another level. I factor in just the emergence and from from Michael Porter Jr. I mean, he like every 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 he gets better every 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 time I see him, he gets better. And I'm just looking at this Nuggets team, and I I, I see I see a team that's young, they're deep, athletic. There's not a lot of weaknesses in this team. There's not. Before the trade deadline, they lack athleticism. They could have used another defender. So basically, 
before the trade deadline, the pieces that they lost from last year's team was Jerry and Grant, Mason Plumley. Those are the pieces that they were missing. That is, that's that's defense, athleticism, length, all that good stuff. After the trade deadline, they address those issues. They have Aaron Gordon, who may be a little bit better, who may be a little bit better than Jerry and Grant. They added JaVale McGee, who may be a little bit better than Mason Plumley. So I like the acquisitions that they have made, and they're, and they're paying off. And a guy like Aaron Gordon, like I said, I think he's such a he's such a really he's he's a good player. He's a really good player. Um, but he played on a bad Orlando team for years, or I should say, a mediocre Orlando team for years because they did get to the playoffs last year. So they've been mediocre. They've been very mediocre, and he's been playing on those teams all year or all his career. But now he's he's on a team where he's the fourth option offensively. Like when you think about it, you have Jamal, you know, the Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, MPJ. And then Aaron Gordon, he's so he's the he's at best the third option, but I think he's the fourth option. Offensively, that takes all the pressure that takes a lot of pressure off of him offensively. Doesn't have to live up to the, the, the lottery pick that he was drafted at. He doesn't have to live, he doesn't have to score 20 a night. He can he can, but he, he doesn't have to. He can score 14, 15, and then defensively. I don't know if it was me. I don't know if if it because I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because I didn't watch Orlando a lot. But Aaron Gordon defensively, he's a problem. And I and I talked about that um you know when the trade deadline happened and I did an episode and I I did a segment on the trade deadline. I talked about his defense. But I did not know he was that good defensively. I saw him I saw him guarding Kawhi Leonard a couple of I mean a few possessions I seen him guard Paul George and the length the athleticism it helps him defensively and he's a real he's a good defender he's a really good defender now I know some people are like well this is some this is recency bias this is very reactionary after one game no I don't think it is I don't think it's reactionary I think I'm just noticing a trend and noticing a team that is built to win in the playoffs. That's built to go deep into the playoffs. That is what I'm noticing. I'm not being. Re- I don't think I'm being reactionary. I, and, I, and like I told you guys, they've won. They're three and zero. They're on a four. I think they're on a they're on a four game winning streak, and they're three and zero since trading for Aaron Gordon. So I don't think I'm being too reactionary. I think I am realizing a trend, and I am seeing a team. That can possibly go deep and possibly make a fi- excuse me make a finals run. They did get to the Western Conference Finals last year. They did. They they got to the Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, all, albeit that it was very unconventional being down three one in every series prior, but they have. They got they they got to the Western Conference Finals last year. So them trying to make a push for the finals, I don't think it's absurd. I just don't. Now let me get to the Clippers. Let me get to the Clippers. As I as I stated already, I think the Clippers, this year's Clippers team, it may be a better fit. Like as far as the fit in the in the 
camaraderie, it may be better than last year, but I'm still seeing this trend of nonchalant at times. I'm seeing the nonchalantness from the Clippers, not really caring, um, and their guys are injured. Now, injuries are a part of the game. Injuries happen. But the Clippers, they it seems like they can never get they can never get healthy, it seems like. They can never get healthy, it seems like. Like I said, the Clippers have played 50 games this year so far. Patrick Beverly has missed 21 games. Paul George has missed 13 games. Serge Ibaka is now out. He's missed 11 games so far. Marcus Moore Sr., he's missed 12 games. So, like, their core rotational guys are missing – they're missing significant time. Patrick Beverly is still out. He's – his now his status is now day-to-day. But I, I think about Patrick Beverly because the other – like, this nut, the, the, the other night, the Nuggets and the Clippers game, I'm watching on TNT, and I'm watching – and offensively, the way how the Nuggets were able to get into their offense so smoothly without any disruption, without any type of ball pressure that's disrupting or throwing off the rhythm, I think of I automatically think of Patrick Beverly because I'm like, if Patrick Beverly would on was on the floor, Jamal Murray would feel some type of pressure. He would feel some type of ball pressure. It would be it would be some type of press, um, whether it be full court press or uh, um, you know with with Patrick Beverly, he he would be guarding him ninety four feet or or in the half court set, and I just didn't see that same type of ball pressure or intensity that I get that you usually get from Patrick Beverly. Not to mention, I, like I said, they traded for Rondo, but Rondo he's injured and he you know he's missed. He's missed three games for the Clippers so far that he's been eligible for. So, all that to be said, I'm still seeing a consistent trend with the Clippers in their in the nonchalant um, attitude. Uh, I think I think I think Tyloo spoke to it uh, after the game versus after the loss versus the Nuggets. They like they come out so flat. The, the, the Clippers came out so flat, and the Nuggets was the total opposite. The Nuggets punched them in the mouth and the Clippers came out so flat and they tried to turn it on in the second half and I give them I give them a little props. They did they they played better in the second half. Defensively, it they turned the notch up defensively and I think Denver Denver at halftime had 62 points. Denver at uh at, at the end of the game finished with 101. They finished with 101 points. But at first they were on pace for for like 120 something. They were on. They were on pace for like four hundred and twenty something, but the Clippers stopped it. Got it to they. They the Nuggets scored one on one. So this Clipper team, I feel like they're they're good enough to beat anybody. I feel I feel as such. I feel like I feel like they're good enough to be anybody. Now I'm not saying they're gonna win the fight or win the Western Conference, but I do think a matchup that they they don't want to see. Is the Nuggets? I don't think I don't think they want to see the Nuggets. I just don't. I just don't see that. I don't think they want to see the Nuggets. Um, and I, I mean, I'm looking at a guy like Serge Ibaka as well. The Clippers without were were without no Serge Ibaka. 
They didn't have no Serge Ibaka last night. And let me get, and let me give you two reasons why Serge Ibaka, as far as far as like um, for example, a matchup like Denver. Um, Ibaka is so vital. He's gonna be vital. And a box Serge Ibaka, he's gonna his minutes are gonna be so vital for the Clippers because we all know the Clippers, they lack size. They lack size and rim protection at you know, defense at the rim, deep interior defense. That's what they lacked last year. Um, and Ibaka is supposed to be, you know, the solution for that. Now, a guy like Nikola Jokic, we've seen how we've seen that we've seen the matchup in the playoffs in the bubble last year versus Zubats and Jokic. It did not end well for it did not end well for the Clippers. So that so that's one of the re, that's one of the main reasons why Serge Ibaka is so vital for this Clipper team because he like literally he's the only viable matchup that the Clippers can really throw at at Jokic like if you think about it he's the he's the only he's the he's like one of the only matchups they can throw at Jokic because everybody else too small um Zubats is Zubats is just not quite he's just not quite skilled enough to even handle or even to slow down a guy like Jokic and and like I said that's been proven so I, I I think the Clippers they off and then offensively down the stretch once again, offensively down the stretch they struggled, they struggled and Reggie and, and Reggie Jackson, I, I mean, good good lord, he's just not a point guard. He's not Reggie Jackson is not a point guard that you want with the ball in your with the ball in his hands down the stretch in critical moments. You just don't want that. Because he looked like a deer in headlights when it when it came to trying to initiate some type of offense. Once again, we saw Paul George struggle. I wonder what the excuse is now. Um, Kawhi down the stretch once again. Like the whole Clipper, it, the, the Clippers offensively, they just they just they they fall apart in in, in big time moments, and we all know why. They don't have a point guard. They don't have a true floor general and point guard that's able to say, "Hey, let's slow it down. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's get let's get let's get the ball to Kawhi in his sweet spot. Let's set up Kawhi in his sweet spot. Let's set up some let's set up somebody." But the fact that Reggie Jackson is just so incapable of just trying to develop some type of flow in the fourth quarter, down the stretches of these games, it's just mesmer. It's just mesmerizing, and it's it it, it, it shows how valuable Rajah Rondo can be to his to this team. It just shows. It, it simple as that. It shows how valuable Rajah Rondo can be for this Clipper team, and I think and he's going to be very vital. He's going to be very valuable. He, you saw some of his leadership was like. Rondo is a basketball savant, and you see some of his. You saw some like as I was watching the game, you saw some of his leadership qualities on display, showing guys what to do, how to do, how to do it, where to get there. You know, like and it, it, the just the basketball mind. He's just a cerebral basketball mind, and I just think the Clippers lack that. I think the Clippers lack that. I think they lack that big time. It's I don't I, I like I don't see a lot of 
I mean, just from the outside looking in, I don't see a lot of just chemistry and a lot of just talking a lot of stuff through. A lot of, like Rondo talks through concepts. Rondo, it, like Rondo's IQ is just on another level, and I could really see Rondo being an excellent coach or even a GM because his his he's just so basketball savvy, and that's why I like 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 he's not gonna put up the crazy stats or numbers for this Clipper team. No, but what he is gonna do is he's gonna make when he at least when he's on the floor he's gonna make them. A, a smarter team offensively and defensively. He's going to make them a smarter team on both sides of the ball. He's going to, he's, he's not going to be turned. He's not going to turn over the ball with that basketball. He's going to always show his leadership and so forth. He's always going to be very vocal. That's a part of his leadership. Okay. And down the stretches of games, he will be able to initiate some type of offense. He will find guys in their sweet spot. So I think that's the one. That's the that's the real one upside for the Clippers. I feel us. I feel. I feel that they have. Um, I I just want to see this team get healthy. I, because once again, similar like I said, similar to last year, the Clippers are not healthy. They're not healthy. And and they they their guys they're they're important guys they're rotational guys have missed games, um and I'm thinking about um, Nicholas Batum he he you know he started off the season really good it's kind of tapered off now you know they gotta they gotta get guys like that back into full in effect they gotta get like the Clippers really gotta they really gotta dig deep and get some of those guys back into full effect. Um, Terrence Mann is really emerging as one of the as one of the as one of those guys that should be in the rotation. But even a guy like Luke Kennard, the Clippers just paid Luke Kennard. They they just paid they just paid Luke Kennard. He has to be better. Like he got he got he got to step up. So I, I, I'm 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 just very curious to see how this all transpire. Um, the Clippers. I'm looking at I'm I, you know I was talking about well I was just thinking about potential playoff matchups and you look at the Western Conference from one to eight <laughs> it's just absurd it's just it's just absurd from one to eight how deep um and and, and I'm just saying one to eight but really you look at one through ten or eleven. 12 like the conference is deep the western conference is deep but i'm just thinking about potential matchups for the clippers there's really no easy way out there's no easy way out <laughs> there's no easy way out for the clippers they're the third they're the three seed right now and they would and they would have to play the portland trailblazers that would be a tough matchup but they don't want to, you don't want to see Denver in the first round. You don't want to see De- you don't want to see you don't want to see Denver in the second round. Like I I really do think the Denver Nuggets have the Clippers number. I really do think that. I do. I do. It's it's just not a good matchup for them. I don't know and I, and I know why because of the size mismatch and how Jokic is just able to take advantage of it. But I just the the, athlete, the the wings that they added, the athleticism that the Nuggets have, the youth, the youth, how deep they are. I just think it's not a good ma- it's not a good matchup for them. 
Simple as that. It's just not a good matchup for the Clippers. For the Clippers. So those are kind of my takes off of that game. And I found that game. I I, I watched that game. That game was very compelling. Um, it, and it, it showed me a lot. It showed me where the Nuggets were. And it showed me like how good they can be. And I don't. I, I think they can still get a little bit better. I still think the Clippers. I still think the Nuggets can get better. The Clippers, like I said, I, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm gonna reserve my judgment with them. Um, because I like I said, I do realize the amount of injuries that they have had. But at some point, you got to get healthy, man. You got to get healthy. The, the the playoffs are right around the corner. We got about it's about 20 games, 20, 25 games left in the season. So at some point, you gotta get healthy. You have to. You have to get healthy. But one could argue and say, hey, the Clippers are a three seed. With all of these injuries, they're still the three seed sitting at 32 and 18. So I reserve my judgment, but the Nuggets look really dangerous. Hey y'all, what do you I mean? Okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there, rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale, the 47 brand. Okay, so the NFL, they, you know, the pro day and all this draft stuff. Like I told you guys, I'm not a big draft. Like, like I'm trying to figure out a way to explain this. I like the draft. I enjoy the draft process. But I feel like, like, doing, like I told you guys, doing 10 and 12 mock drafts before the, I, I, this is just not my thing but i do i do play i do pay close attention to certain um you know pro days and so forth certain measurables you know where guys are measuring up at and i i must say first of all just <clears throat> just in general uh with the players in this year's draft i don't maybe 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 Am I tripping? But a lot of these 40 times are fast. A lot of these players are quick. Um, Jamar Chase, Cal Pitts. I want to talk about those three. Jamar Chase, Cal Pitts, and Penny Sua, right? With with the exclusion of Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence is a generational-type talent, I told you guys already, I think Trevor Lawrence is a 6'6 John Elway. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be John Elway, for people that may take that out of context. I'm not saying he's going to be John Elway. But when I see him, when I see his talent, when I see the measurables, I see a taller version, a bigger version of John Elway when I see Trevor Lawrence, okay? But three, these three prospects, Peninsula, Kyle Pitts, and Jamar Chase, are absolutely freak shows. Freak shows. I watched their pro day. I was glued to their pro day. I was watching every 
bit of their measurables and they're phenomenal. And I know, I know some people are going to say, oh, like it's only a 40 yard dash. It's only a pro day. They're, you know, it's, it's nothing. It's just measurables and that's cool and all, <clears throat> but I just cannot wait to see these guys at the next level. Um, I saw an interesting stat about, let me first talk about Penisua. Penisua, Penisua, I saw an interesting stat today. In his 21 career games at Oregon, he only allowed two quarterback pressures. In his 21 games at Oregon, he allowed two quarterback pressures. Penisua is one of those, he's one of those offensive tackles that you draft that's going to be, he's going to be a 10-year legitimate Pro Bowl type of offensive tackle that's going to protect your quarterback. You, 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 you can't, you like he's like, and I'm and some people may think I'm some people may think I'm engaging in some hyperbole when I'm talking about these guys, but these three guys, they can't miss. And there's a lot of good offensive tackle. There's a, there's some really good offensive linemen in this draft. Like there's some really good receivers in this draft, but the two pass catchers, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase, they separate themselves from the, excuse me, from the rest of the pack. <clears throat> They separate themselves, and then, like I said, with 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 Sua, Sua, like there's a lot of good offensive linemen in this draft, but he separates himself. I mean, just the this just the hit for his size, for him to be able to move left to right, the agility that he has, um, the technique, the skill. I I, I just you see, this is a Hall of Fame level tackle. Uh, I mean, simple as that. And like, if you're Cincinnati, you can't go wrong with either Jamar Chase or Sua. Me personally, I would draft Sua. I would draft Penisua if I was Cincinnati. If he's there on the board, he might be gone. <laughs> he might be gone. <clears throat> he might be gone. But if you want to ensure that Joe Burrow's left left side. Which is his blind side? You want to ensure that that side is going to be that's that side is going to be protected. You draft Penisua. You draft him. You draft him. I feel like there's three outside the quarterback position. I feel like there's three can't miss prospects. I feel like there's three can't miss prospects. Let's move on. Kyle Pitts at Florida. Kyle Pitts is absolutely phenomenal. Like, I don't think people realize how good Kyle Pitts is. He's absolutely phenomenal. This dude, it, this dude is different. He's built different. He's a six six tight end, two forty six. He is he is the he is the prototypical tight end. That you want in today's game. Simple as that. He led all tight ends in receiving yards last year. I think he led all tight ends in receiving yards and touchdowns. He is the prototypical tight end in today's game. 
and he's not like I said, and he's not. A, and I must say, the only thing that's that's not elite about his game, really, he's not an elite blocker. But at the tight end position in today's game, like I say, in today's game, I mean, I don't. You, if you're asked, like, if when you're just when you're talented as Cal Pitts, when you're as talented as Cal Pitts, I don't want you blocking. I want you pass catching. You can literally line him up as a receiver. He he runs he runs like a receiver, and he's built like a tight end. This dude is a man. This dude is a any any team that drafts him. I don't care where he goes. He could go to Cincinnati. He can go to Miami. He can go to Atlanta. He's an automatic 70-catch guy at the tight end position. I kid you not. He's already a 70-catch guy because his skills, like, and that's, an, and that's, an, uh, that's one thing that, can I, that I can say about all three of these guys. That all three of these guys, all of th- their skills – they're gonna they're gonna be able to replicate the same um, impact, the same results because their skills are are just easily transferable to the next level. It fits the prototypical game in today's game. Like I said with Cal Pitts, he fits the prototypical tight end that you want. Big guy, vertical threat, can run like a receiver, but he's big like a tight end. So you know what that means. He's gonna be a matchup problem. He's gonna be a night. He's gonna be a matchup nightmare because he's gonna be he's gonna be quicker, more shiftier than linebackers. He's gonna be bigger than safeties. And he's gonna be a matchup nightmare. He's gonna be a night. He's gonna be a matchup nightmare. And it would not. And I I know some of you guys are probably thinking you're crazy and you're speaking out of hyperbole, but it would not surprise me if Cal Pitts. It become it easily in his first year becomes one of the one of the best pass catchers in football. Not at the tight end position, one of the best pass catchers in football. That's how that's how good I think he's gonna be. <clears throat> and like I said, it doesn't matter. He can go to he can go to Atlanta, he can go to Cincinnati, he can go to it don't matter. Doesn't matter. He can go to Denver. He's gonna be a he's gonna be somewhere between if you know obviously if he gets the right opportunities he's gonna be a seventy catch kind of guy, and it would not surprise me if he's regarded as one of the best pass catchers in the game. And then Jamar Chase, very similar to Kyle Pitts. It's he's the prototypical he's the prototypical receiver. That you want in today's game. He's a prototypical receiver that you want. He stands about what? 6'1, about 184, 185. Um, his, you know, obviously in 2019, he had the breakout year at LSU, set almost 1,800 yards, 84 receptions, 20 touchdowns, just absolutely phenomenal. At his time in LSU, um, did not play last year. Set out, but Jamar Chase, I kid you not, this dude. First of all, let me let me and let me put this into context, into proper context. At LSU in twenty nineteen, right? 
uh, Joe Burrow with Clyde Edwards Elaire, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. J- Jamar Chase was regarded as the best. He was regarded like out out of the two of out of the two of them, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase was regarded as the best receiver. He he like a lot of people saw him being like a lot of people thought he was better than Jam- than Justin Jefferson. Like people thought he was better than Justin Jefferson. We seen what Justin Jefferson did last year. He had an absolutely phenomenal year. He had an all he was an all pro last year. Justin Jefferson, all pro receiver as a rookie, breaking all types of records, and, and could have won. A lot of people thought he was robbed. Uh, I thought I, I thought he was going to win offensive rookie of the year, but went to Justin Herbert. Not mad at that either. So if Justin Jefferson had an all pro type of type of season his rookie year. And Jamar Chase is regarded as being better than Justin Jefferson. Then how good do you think Jamar Chase is? Because if it's true, Jamar Chase is going to be an animal. And like I said, very similar to Cal Pitts, there in in Sua, their skills are easily transferable to the next level, and there's no if ands or buts about the competition that he played at LSU because at LSU you're playing against you're like you're playing against the Alabamas you're playing against some of the better defenses in the country and the and these secondary players that you match up against are in the, are all across the league they're all across the league so he was playing any given Saturday especially in conference play he was playing NFL talent he was playing NFL talent at the at the defensive back position. And Jamar Chase completely killed. He absolutely was was a monster. So those are my like those are three and it's it's pretty easy. It's it's not like uh, this is no new news. This isn't like this isn't front page news like people know that. So I'm ready to give you guys my uh my MLB season predictions. Um, I feel pretty confident about these. I'm gonna go division by division. Um, like I said, I feel pretty confident about these these picks, uh, these predictions that I'm about that I'm about to make. So I'm not gonna so I'm not gonna predict the Cy Young Awards. I'm only predicting the, the playoffs. Um, so I should say this. I'm only predicting division winners, playoffs, and American League and National League MVP. I'm not going to do Rookie of the Year or Cy Young or um, Manager of the Year. I'm not going to do that. But I'm I'm only I'm only predicting wild card, you know, playoff matchups, division, you know, who's going to win a division and so forth, and MVPs. Okay. Okay, so let's start in the American League East, um, where we have the Yankees, Blue Jays, Tampa Bay Rays, who made it to the World Series last year, um, pennant champions, uh, American League pennant champions, Red Sox, and the Orioles, okay? So 
I think this is the year where the Yankees finally stay healthy. I know we always say that, but Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan, they're two um, big home run hitters, big guys. We all know how loaded the Yankees are. Um, and they've been and they've been really consistent as far as getting to the playoffs and trying to make deep runs. I think this is the year where the Yankees finally break through. I think they win the AL East, and I um, I, I depending on I think they're gonna probably have the best record in the American League, probably. Um, I I love the acquisitions that the Blue Jays made. I have them finishing second. Um, Tampa Bay Rays at three. I still think they're a really solid team. I just like I, I, me personally. I like the Yankees and I like and I like the Blue Jays a little bit more. Uh, Red Sox at four and Baltimore Orioles at five. Okay, on to the American League Central. Um, this is a difficult one. Uh, I feel like I feel like there's like you there's two top choices. That, that a lot of people are going with and leaning with, and it's the Chicago White Sox and Minnesota Twins. I'm going to go Chicago White Sox. Um, I do think the Twins finish second um, at three, uh, the Cleveland Indians, at four, the Kansas City Royals, and at five, the Detroit Tigers. They're in the rebuilding stage. Um, now let's move on to the American League West. Um Thought about Mike Trout and how I I ho- I just hope he can get this team to the promised land. I hope or not promised land, but let let's let's just start with making the playoff push, right? Making the playoffs. But I have the I have the Houston Astros winning the American League West. Uh, I have the Los Angeles Angels finish finishing second. At three, I have the Oakland A's. At four, the Mariners. And then at five, the Texas Rangers, who are also like in a rebuilding stage. Okay, so on to the American. We did the American League. On to the National League. National League, let's start right here. National League East. National League East. I'm going to go with the... I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves winning the National League, the National League East. I'm going to go with the Mets in second place. I'm going to go with the Nationals in third place. Then at fourth, I'm going to go with the Mar- with the Phillies. And then at fifth, I'm going to go with the Marlins. I think the Marlins take a step back. <laughs> they were bizarrely really good last year, um, even, even dealing with the COVID stuff. But I think they take a step back. Um, National League Central, <clears throat> I think this division is so weird. Um, I do think the Cardinals, I, I do think the Cardinals upgraded offensively a little bit with adding, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, my, uh, mic went out, but, um, Nolan, they added Nolan Arenado. So one of the better third basemen, if not the best third base men in baseball. Um, so I, I'm a for on that based on that fact, I'm gonna take the Cardinals to win the division, the National League Central. Um, but I, I feel like this is really this is probably the strangest division in baseball. In baseball, excuse me. So at two, I'm gonna take the Chicago Cubs. At three, I'm gonna go with the Brewers. At four, I'm gonna go with the Cincinnati Reds. And at five, uh the Pirates, I think finished fifth. 
National League West. I'm going to – so this is a tough one because obviously we have a two-team race, I feel like. we Most people feel like it's a two-team race between the Dodgers and the Padres. Obviously the Dodgers, the rich got richer, um, World Series champions. I'm going to go with the Dodgers to keep control of the NL West. Um, doesn't mean that they're going to get back to the World Series, even though they have a great roster once again. But I think they're going to have I think they're going to keep control of the NL West. The Padres, it's going to be a it's going to be a neck and neck race throughout the season. But I do think the Padres finish second. Um, I'm going to go with the Giants at three, the Diamondbacks at four. And then obviously, I think a lot of people have the Colorado Rockies finishing last. Okay, so as mentioned, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna have the Yankees. I'm gonna have a Yankees and Dodgers World Series. Yankees Dodgers World Series. Um, New York versus LA. Ah man. I'm gonna go with the Dodgers to repeat. I know it's I know that's I know it's that's very hard to do in baseball, but I'm gonna go. I I just look at their I just look at how deep they are and they they had the best team in baseball. I, I'm gonna and their ball and their bullpen was really the thing that was like that was really the question mark for the Dodgers last year was their bullpen. Their bullpen got a little bit stronger this year, so so. I'm going to go with the Dodgers to repeat as champions because that's how great of a roster they have. That's how and then I don't even have to I don't even have to bring up their their hitting rotation. Hitting rotation is their their lineup is ridiculous. The bats they have. Um the Yankees the the Yankees lineup is no slouch either, but the the the, the bats that the Dodgers have, I, I think they repeat as champions. I really do. I think they repeat as champions. So those are my uh, those are my predictions, my team predictions um, from American League MVP. Uh, it may seem cliche, may seem cliche, but I'm gonna go with Mike Trout. Um, and then at as my National League MVP, I'm gonna go with Juan Soto of the National of the Washington Nationals. Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals for National League MVP. So. Those are my predictions for the MLB season. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, <clears throat> but like I said, I just want to close this out. <laughs> Fernando, T- I, now I just want to close this out with Mike Trout again. I'm sorry, but Mike Trout, Fernand, and Fernand, like I'm thinking of those guys. Mike Trout is great. He's great, and Fernando Tatis is. Awesome. He really, like I said, he really energized the sport last year just with his energy and his swagger and the way how he played the game. He has the it factor. He has it. And I and Fernando Tatis, he's not as he's he's not good. He's not he's not better than Mike Trout yet. Mike Trout, I think the consistency, the 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 consistency that we continue to see from Mike Trout year in, year out, putting up the numbers that he does, uh, is unmatched. 
But I do think Fernando Tatis is coming. I really do think so. I I, I really do think Fernando Tatis is coming. Um, I, I mean, but when you look at Mike, when you look at Mike Trout, it's just absolutely phenomenal the things that he's able to do. But as I mentioned to you guys, the sport of baseball would it be better if Mike Trout was more outspoken? Maybe I do. I, I maybe I, I to a certain degree I do think the sport of baseball would be better. But I also, like I told you guys, if he was, if Mike Trout was playing for the other LA team, the Dodgers, like if he was playing for the Dodgers or if he was playing for the Yankees, um, or a, just a notable brand within baseball, a brand that's bigger than the than the Angels. I feel like Mike Trout would get so much talk, or it's not like, he, and I don't want to make it seem like he doesn't get talked about enough. But we would, we would see him like the 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 public eye would see him more. Like he plays for the Yankees, plays for the Dodgers, he plays in he plays for the Los Angeles Angels, who are in Anaheim. No, no disrespect to the Angels fans and to the Angels, but it's in Anaheim. Dodgers, it's just different and i feel like he would just get more he would he would get more love he would get more i'm just saying he would get more love if he played in one of the bigger markets or if he played in one of the bigger brands within baseball he would get more love he would get more love and he would get more notoriety and he'd be seen more in the public guy um but i do think a guy like fernando tatis with 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 san diego has that brewing down there um, I do. I love the acquisition of Blake Snell, um, former Cy Young winner. I I really do like. I like what San Diego has brewing down there. They could. I think San Diego. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily think they're a sleeper for for the World Series because I think a lot of people are taking them serious as far as the world them being World Series contenders this year. But I I I, I like what they have going. And Tatis is phenomenal with Manny Machado and those guys, Will Myers. I, I really like what they have going on down there. I really do. I really do. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was yeah, y'all a little bit of everything. Get y'all some baseball, some basketball, some football, you know, NFL draft. You know, I'm trying to be versatile, showing the, you know, content king, you know. <laughs> Trying to be versatile, and you know, can go from one end to the next, <laughs> you know. So I think that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, Mike Trout, very similar to Tim Duncan. They're great, quiet, very vanilla personalities. Um, but I do like I I just find it very I just so I don't know I just find it so intriguing that. Imagine LeBron James jerseys like he's not he LeBron he doesn't always finish number one in jersey sales but he's like he's like either two three or four he doesn't drop outside of the top five. Mike Trout is at he's at ten he's at ten and I gave you guys the names that were ahead of him and you know those like I said those players are great too. <laughs> Mookie Betts is phenomenal. Some people might say Mookie Betts is the best player in baseball, but Mookie Betts is phenomenal. But for Mike Trout to be 
widely regarded as the best player in baseball and him have him to have the 10th the 10th having finishing at 10th as far as jersey sales at 10 uh, uh i mean uh, and like i said it's not his fault it's not mike trout's fault at all i don't want him to change his personality uh he's cool the way he is uh, like i said he's a phenomenal baseball player and I just hope the Angels can can get over the top this year. I hope they can get to the playoffs. At least, let's just start getting to the playoffs. How about that? How about the Angels help him out? Let's start getting him to the playoffs because that's when we can see more Mike Trout. He'd be under the he'd be under the bright lights. Mike Trout would be under you know national televised games. A, a lot of people you know around around baseball around October. Late September, around October, people know, yeah, college football, NFL, obviously, it's going on. But people know the fall classic, a lot of people tune in to postseason baseball because it's just different. So if we can get Mike Trout into the postseason some way, somehow, so we can get him in the spotlight, come on. Come on. It would do, it would do wonders for the sport. It would do wonders for the sport. It, hel- it helps the sport. It helps. But Fernando Tatis is coming. He is. He's coming. But it would do wonders for the sport if Mike Trout and the Angels could get to the playoffs. If the Angels can get to the playoffs. It would help. Because if you think of guys like Derek Jeter, um, even like Reggie. Like when you think of certain names, you think of their iconic moments in the postseason. Uh, David Ortiz, Derek Jeter. Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson, three home runs in in the World Series versus the Dodgers. That's what you think of when you think of Reggie Jackson, how clutch he was. And, and even I talked about Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds never won a World Series, but he got to the playoffs. Um, he got to the playoffs fairly consistently, and he had it. And he he had his team near, you know, at, near the brink of winning it all. And not to say that Trout can't do that, and like I said, it's not his fault because Trout could literally hit 500, and if the Angels pitching isn't good enough, then they're going to lose. It doesn't matter how well Mike Trout, he can't hit for everybody, you know? So it's just one of those things. But without further ado, I'm gonna let y'all. I'm gonna let y'all go. I'm talking too much. I'm rambling, and I'm I'm really I like I like this type of topic. But uh, in a, in I must say. I got to get this off my chest. This is why I'm so animate about when I'm, this is why I'm so animated about when it comes to faces of the league. And when I, and you guys know about my NBA talk, faces of the league, it's just certain guys who can't really be, who can't or don't really want to be the face of the league. And then, you know, you think a guy like Giannis, Giannis, Superbly talented. He's won two straight MVPs, but he's not the face of the league. Giannis is not the face of the league. He's just not. He's just not. Like I told you, um, uh, Kawhi Leonard, two-time finals MVP, great player, great two-way player, but he's not really the face of the league. LeBron James wants to be the face of the league. He is the face of the league. Zion Williamson. He looks like he can be the face of the league. Luka Doncic, 
he looks like he be in the face. He looks like he could be the face of the league. It's not just the game. You gotta have the swagger. You gotta. It's other stuff that comes with just more than the skills. When you're talking about plastering people and promoting people and making them the faces of your league, it comes more. It comes down to more than just being good. Obviously, you have to be good, but it comes. It comes down to being more than good. And I have that talk a lot on this podcast. But without, like I said, without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Always uh, remember two choices, one decision. You guys are doing a hell of a job with the with the appreciation and showing the love with the pod. The pod is growing, um, and I'm proud of that. Um, you guys should be proud of that because it's, it's a lot of what you guys are doing. So thank you guys for that. Um, and I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Peace, deuces.